Good morning, everyone. All right, I got to open this up. Um, it's really great to be here with you here this morning. Uh, it's been really great to be able to get to know a lot of you over the past month, especially. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, my name is Brandon. I am the new minister of students here at Vista Grande. Um, and it has just been such an incredible uh, time being able to come and to join our church family, um, trying to get plugged into different things. I've been especially grateful at how many of y'all have loved on my wife. Um, and so it's good that we're, we're able to be here. Uh, I will say and apologize ahead of time to the camera people. I'm your worst nightmare. Um, I don't stand still well. And so there was actually a camp I went to as a kid where they wouldn't let me sleep on the bed because in my sleep I kept moving a bunch and it was squeaky. And so they made me sleep on the floor for the rest of the week of camp. Um... Yeah, a little bit about me also that's impactful. Uh, I was a history major in school. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about some historical stuff, which tends to be something that I really care about. But how incredible is it that what happens to us in the past directly correlates to where we are now? Uh, you know, a small story from my life. I actually met my wife, Caroline, right in this section right over here. Um, I was 20 minutes late to church one day, knocked her over with my backpack, and then she agreed to marry me, basically same day. Uh, so single people in this section, single people in this section, you have the added benefit of Valentine's Day. Just saying. Um, well, additionally, even, you know, this morning, you know, my life has been so impacted by Caroline, but other things that have impacted my life, as I was getting ready to come and preach before the first service, I pulled out my computer, which I have right here with me with my notes, and Jay leans over and goes, wow, you're really trusting. I don't have that much faith and trust in technology. Well, and part of the reason why I use a computer is growing up, I was legally blind, and all that means is I'm not allowed to drive or operate heavy machinery without corrective lenses. Uh, well, then a few years ago, I had LASIK, so I'm no longer like Todd with the glasses. Um, I get to see. But one of the things that really impacted my sight that I didn't know about was I have tracking issues. Where instead of, you know, with people who are like dyslexic, their brain sometimes can jumble up words on a page. For me, my actual eyes see in waves as I read. Uh, so even still, I'll follow along with my finger, which if you really look closely, you'll notice today, I follow along with my finger as I read. Unfortunately, my mom didn't tell me, even though I was diagnosed with those tracking issues in first grade, she didn't tell me that I had them until I was in college. Uh, so my whole life made a lot more sense. Uh, I'm also very thankful of the love of this church and meeting the needs of people. Uh, some of y'all may or may not know this, but I'm actually celiac. And so the fact that we're doing cake usually doesn't appeal to me very much. Um, but I had someone, the, you know, those who, who lead the event came up to me last week and they're like, hey, we have a gluten-free cake just for you. Well, these individuals also found out that I don't like chocolate. Um, see, you get some of the reactions of the people who like chocolate. When Pastor Chris found out that I don't like chocolate, I thought I was going to get fired because um, <laughs> he, he loves his sweets. But I actually found out recently, it turns out that I can't taste sugar like at all. Um, I've never been able to. I've never understood when people are like, oh, something is too sweet. I've never understood what they were saying. So this past summer, I asked my wife. She said something was sweet, and I was like, babe, what are you talking about? We figured out that I just don't have the ability to taste sugar. Uh, do I know why? No. Do I know that it affects my life? Yes. I have been called un-American for the fact that I don't like chocolate more than I care to express. Um, and I'm also pretty sure chocolate is not what makes you American. That's football. Um, <laughs> that's... 
Uh, unless you're a Chiefs fan, in which case I'll call you un-American. And No, I'm just... <laughs> but what happens to us historically impacts who we are today. Uh, it, it's amazing how even little things like that can impact you and your life, and obviously me and my life, but it's so much bigger than that. When we look at history, even the land we are on right now, a couple hundred years ago, there was a famous guy named Thomas Jefferson. Uh, if you've never heard of the, him, then you're a little bit behind, and that's okay. But he did this thing called the Louisiana Purchase. And the Louisiana Purchase is where the United States bought 560 million or so acres of land from the French, including where we are now, for three cents an acre. Uh, I heard a story this morning after the first service. Someone came up to me and said there was a Gazette article where someone just bought an acre of land, less than an acre of land, over by Interquest area for $600,000. I didn't verify it, so if it's in the Gazette, good. Otherwise, I just quoted an incorrect thing. But either way, the history of us ordering or, or purchasing the Louisiana Purchase has a direct impact on us at Vista Grande Baptist Church. I know for a fact that there's a God because we are not speaking French right now. Um, I failed several French, French classes throughout my years. Uh, and, and that is partly, in fact, because of this Louisiana Purchase. But additionally, you go back even farther. You talk about how history impacts us even still today. There was this guy named Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great conquered all the Greek kingdoms and then decided he wanted to conquer Persia. And while he was conquering Persia, actually conquered Israel. And in conquering Israel, uh, he established a culture where Greek was used as a language throughout the world. And our New Testaments were written in Greek. But that was hundreds of years before Jesus was alive. Additionally, beyond Alexander the Great, you have this historical element of what's called the Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome. It was this time period where around the life of Jesus, Rome as a kingdom went through and conquered most that whole region again, but then entered into an era of peace where there wasn't a lot of warfare. Additionally to that, another thing that impacts us are these kingdoms called the Nubian kingdoms. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Nubian kingdoms? Okay, there's a couple of hands. First service, there were also only a couple of hands. As Westerners, we don't like to think of the other kingdoms that were outside of Europe as far as our culture. But the Nubian kingdoms were three kingdoms south uh, uh, in, in about modern day Sudan. And these three kingdoms were massive Christian empires uh, from the time near the time of Jesus within the first couple centuries and was not conquered by the Arabs until within 200 years of European colonization. And that's just the Nubian kingdoms. That doesn't include the Ethiopian kingdom that remained Christian for all of those centuries. We can also talk about the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Arguably, in Egypt, uh, the Library of Alexandria was one of the largest collections of works that we maybe have had in history. And a lot of those works were Christian works because prior to the, the Arab conquest of northern Africa, uh, that whole region was predominantly Christian. The Library of Alexandria had so many secrets that were burned by the invaders. Uh, and we do not have that information, which on some level impacts us even today. Some even theorize that the, the, um, some of the secrets of like Greek fire could have been lost because of the burning of the Library of Alexandria. And who knows what else? Additionally, you have the burying of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Many of you have heard this as an apologetic for Christian faith. 
uh, but around the life of Jesus, just after he died, uh, the Romans came in and destroyed Israel, and a group that we believe was the Essenes buried these Dead Sea Scrolls and hid them in caves so that the Romans couldn't come and find them. They weren't found until almost 2,000 years later, where we still have copies of Isaiah that were written prior, about 300 years before the life of Jesus. And Isaiah, as many of you know, is one of the greatest examples of prophecy about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament, and, and contains many of those details uh, that can now be verified as being written before Jesus because of this random historical event and someone burying a scroll 2,000 years ago. What happens in the past can directly affect and correlate where we are today. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 30. We're going to go through chapter 12, verse 2. And we'll read this here in just a minute, but a little bit of background on Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is a book of encouragement to scattered Israelites who are believers. We don't know who the author of Hebrews is. Uh, it's possible that that information was lost at the burning of the Library of Alexandria. We don't know. But we don't know who the author of Hebrews was. But what we do know is he was a follower of Jesus. And as he's writing this letter of encouragement with an emph- emphasis on the sufficiency of Christ, he gets to this section that we call the Hall of Faith. And the Hall of Faith is this entire passage where the author of Hebrews outlines some of the people historically, for the Jews specifically, that had faith and what God was able to accomplish through that. And what we're going to start reading is the very end of this Hall of Faith section. And I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the Lord and His Holy Word. And we're going to read in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to start in verse 30, and I'm reading from the New King James Translation. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to uh, flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better Resurrection. Still others had trial and mockings and scourgings. Yes, and the chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Lord adds his blessing to the reading of his word. We can all be seated. As we look at this passage this morning, if there's nothing else that you take away, I want you to walk away with the reality that redemption has always come by faith. Redemption is the act of being rescued from sin or from evil. And God has always interacted with redemption throughout history by faith. And as we get to this section of of Scripture where the author of Hebrews is outlying the, the magnitude of faith, He gets to this end and he starts in this section with this first area, which is the result or the conclusion of the outpouring of faith. And he says this, verse 30 again, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight, the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Here are some impressive, amazing, miraculous things that took place in the lives of God's people. And the source of that miraculous thing was faith. The author doesn't write here that the catapults of Israel brought down the walls of Jericho. Because they didn't use catapults. They literally walked around like idiots for seven days. And got made fun of for doing so, but God used their faith to do something miraculous. Talks about closing the mouths of lions. Man, how many of you have a bully at school or at work, and you just really need the mouth of the lion to be closed? Talks about defeating the violence of fire. Escaping the edge of the sword. My friends, there's a reality that most of us have not endured some of these challenges, but there's also a reality that we are people. And as people, we are still in this broken world where faith is able to accomplish incredible things. And by faith, all of these things were able to be done. And the faith that these individuals had. But the author doesn't stop there. The author is not saying that by faith, you get that Lamborghini you've always wanted. Or by faith, if you just claim something that you don't like, if you name it, you can claim it and it's yours. The author's not saying if you just will whatever you want into existence enough that by faith God is going to take away your back pain and your your financial issues. In fact, the author actually continues in a lot more strong way with the reality that there's also a cost to faith. There is indeed a catch sometimes. Look with me at the, the second half of verse 35. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 
Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, in dens and in the caves of the earth. There's a reality that, yes, redemption does come by faith. But sometimes there's a cost to that faith as we're waiting for full redemption. And in the case of what he initially says, odds are pretty good that most people in this room are not going to be sawn into or killed with the edge of the sword uh, because of our faith. But there's also a reality that life doesn't necessarily get easier after faith. The one that I think particularly sticks out to me is when he says, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. My friends, the day may not be here that we're sawn in two because of our faith, but the day may be closer than we want to realize where we might lose our jobs because of our faith. I hope I don't lose my job because of my faith. (laughs) But if we lose our jobs because of our faith and we become destitute, and, and poor, there's a reality that sometimes that is the cost of faith. That sometimes things are taken away. And he outlines all throughout this hall of faith, people who did not receive the happy ending that our Disney minds want us to be there. There is a cost to our faith. But here's the reality, is there's also then, he's going to continue with the object of our faith. What's been crazy to me is that even the world around us, the people who do not believe in Jesus, recognize the value and the power of faith, even though they don't have a place in which they put their faith. People will talk about, oh, if you just have enough faith, things will work out. Especially with this onslaught, I will say, of this New Age movement, uh, there's people who will go so far as to say, if you have enough faith, you can will something into existence. The reality of faith is that it does produce results, but the reality of our faith is our results are not unfounded, but they're placed in an object. The object of our faith in verse 39, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So here you have these people who God had historically made these promises to. And if you look in chapter 11, all throughout, he'll go through of by faith, these people who are doing things. He says, by faith, Abel does things. And by faith, Noah did things. He gets to where by faith, Abraham. And God promised to Abraham, you are going to have a nation that will be mighty, more than the stars in heaven or the sands of the sea. And they're going to be really, really cool. And they're going to have a land in which I will give them. Fast forward a couple generations, and they're actually taken into slavery by the Egyptians. And these promises don't seem to be fulfilled as true. And the Jews for 400 years are in slavery to the Egyptians without a promised land. But yet they continue to press forward and God in due time rose up a prophet named Moses who here by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. So Moses then by faith received a word from the Lord at the burning bush. Funny story for all of you. Do you guys know Moses was 80 years old at the burning bush situation? 
You're never too old to serve the Lord. That's all I got to say. So Moses receives this word from the Lord, delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then is, is given the law from God, the standard of perfection. But it's also promised to Moses, that, or to, to God's people, that there would be a prophet that is greater than Moses. And that's where the, and he'll go through with these other things of faith. But then, verse 40, God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is why I need my finger. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Our faith, the object of our faith, the source of our faith is Jesus. Our faith means nothing by willing it into the universe. But our faith means everything when its foundation is on Jesus, who is the rock that we are able to stand. Because Jesus, being fully God, came and died for the sins of the world, redeeming us, bringing us into redemption with God, fulfilling the law that we could not keep, and allowed the people of God to become right with Him. And all these things were promised to Abraham and to Moses and later to King David. And none of them got to receive the promise. They didn't see it. And the author of Hebrews actually touches on that in in Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start in verse 24 again. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he looked to the reward faith or uh, redemption was always by faith in the messiah the promises that were given were fulfilled by the messiah who is Jesus Christ and all of history Everything that had taken place from the time of Abraham until Jesus pointed to this picture of God's redemptive plan for mankind. Because a few years after David and after those things, all of a sudden you have this guy named Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great conquers Israel. And the Jews start to use Greek uh, as a language, which by the way, Greek as a language, one, was able to quickly spread the gospel all over the world at that time because a lot of people spoke Greek. Additionally, Greek is a really good language to translate into every other language without losing the breadth of meaning. You're able to translate into English these Greek letters that still tell us God's story of redemption. Well, a few years after that, you have the Romans who came in, and not only did they have the Pax Romana, where the world was at peace, but they also built roads. Do you guys want to hear something crazy about Roman roads? There are Roman roads still standing today that don't have potholes. They were made 2,000 years ago. We're pretty good if we can get about six years in in Colorado Springs. But not only were the Roman roads easy for travel, and they were straight. Nothing got in the way of a Roman road going straight. But they also 
ushered in an era of security where the people of God were able to spread throughout the entire known world sharing Jesus to places like the Nubian kingdoms where Christianity thrived for centuries to places like the Coptics in Egypt. Do you know one of the earliest translations we have of the Gospels outside of the original language is there is a Coptic translation of the Gospel of John. Still today in Egypt, about 10% of the population in Egypt claim to be Coptic Christians. They can trace their heritage back to almost the first century after Jesus died. Additionally, you have Christians in India where though sometimes the remnant was small, the Christians in India can trace their heritage back to Thomas the Apostle is what they claim was the bringer of Christianity to India and there's been a remnant since. But this time in history where everything was coming together at the perfect of the fullness of time, Jesus came. But He did not come in the wealth and splendor of a king. He came in the lowly nature of a child born to a single woman He took part in our pain and our suffering. And not only did He partake in it, but He expounded upon it where He went to the cross, died for our sins, taking the punishment of sin and death, and then by faith we're able to be restored with God. The timing in which Jesus came was no accident to God. And all of history points to this huge, momentous time in human history where God became man and dwelt among us. Well, then you fast forward. Because that is the object of our faith. But now what about the results then of that faith? Where all throughout church history, we not only have, again, the Nubian kingdoms and and some of those other places, but you also have, even in our own time, Vista Grande Baptist Church has 50 years of history where we've been serving Colorado Springs in this area. Many of you came to know Jesus by the ministry of Vista Grande Baptist Church. But the author says this, Look with me one more time in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. My friends, he's writing this 2,000 years ago, and there is a great cloud of witnesses that attest to the majesty of the resurrected Jesus. On top of the ones he mentioned, Paul in another letter says that there were 500 people who saw the resurrected Christ. They are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, and yet 2,000 years later, we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses throughout this historical viewpoint of God's redemption of mankind that we are but a drop in the bucket of the good things that God has done. So much so that God has been effective in global missions. We tend to have a a Western perspective of the history of the church. Did you guys know that there are more sub-Saharan African missionaries in the United States than there are American missionaries in Africa? The pendulum is swinging where the Holy Spirit of God is moving on a global level and people are coming to know Christ. And how amazing is it that by the faithfulness of the missions movement of the Western world, the gospel is exploding in a way that it has never done historically. And people are joining this great cloud of witnesses to where now places that were once seen as places for missions are now seen as places sending missions. God is moving. He has created this cloud of witnesses in which the gospel is tearing down barriers and walls and redeeming people to Himself. 
I could be like the author of Hebrews here, where time doesn't permit for me to tell you of, of Billy Graham or of the people who have gone to China or the people who have gone to India, the people who have gone to Russia. But we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one of old. He is the one that was sent to redeem us to God. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for Christians in Colorado Springs in 2023? In first service, I accidentally said 2022, so I'm glad someone corrected me on that, or I definitely would have done it again. What does that mean for us as Christians in the year 2023 in Colorado Springs? We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that we are here because of people's willingness to share their faith. Our faith is not one that is standalone where we should hide it to ourselves. We have been not only given this great redemption by the power of God, surrounded by these clouds of witnesses, but now we have the ability to go share that redemptive power with others. And it is because of that cloud of witnesses that we are all here today because people were willing to share their faith. Do your coworkers know more about your favorite football team than they do your Savior? That's a problem if... Your coworkers only know that you're a Chiefs fan. Because here's the problem. Even if you're a Broncos fan, Russell Wilson will not save you. Sean Payton, jury is still out. But Jesus is our Savior. If my friends who, who know me know more that I can't taste sugar than that I've been redeemed by a God who loves me, then I've missed the mark. All of us have the ability to share this great salvation that we have received. Because if we have accepted by faith in Jesus Christ, we have the ability to share that with others because it is by faith that we are saved. It's that easy. Faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. That also means that there's a reality that there are people in this room who have not received redemption by Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you, if you're someone who is not by faith entered into the family of God, There is no better time than the present as this cloud of witnesses would show us to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because by faith, we are able to do some incredible, amazing things because of God who works through us. History is important. And I'm not just saying that because I was a history major. But because God has worked throughout human history to redeem us to Himself. And that's continuing till today. I want to encourage you, if, if uh, while I'm praying even, if you're someone who needs to talk to a minister about these things, there will be people available in the back. Or if you're someone who wants to join Vista Grande Baptist Church, I'll tell you this, after the message this morning, after the first service, I actually did go and join Vista Grande Baptist Church. Um, not because of the message, uh, but, but because I wanted the cake. That's only for members. I'm just kidding. No, that's... But if you want to join our church or if you need to talk to a minister about some of these things, there will be people available in the back to to speak to you. Uh, But will you close with me in prayer?